Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is brought to you by TickPick.com slash Breakdown. Make sure you're going there, taking advantage of $10 off your first item. Uh, Slow news day for your Cleveland Browns. Um, Really, only newsworthy item that comes out is uh, kicker Chris Blewett is signed to the practice squad as Nick Mullins goes on the COVID-19 list. And yes... That's a real kicker name, kind of like Kenny Pickett is a real quarterback name coming out in the draft this year. So uh, otherwise, for for the Cleveland Browns, not much going on. Uh, Not many quotes coming out. Uh, Some things about the defense coming together uh, as far as, you know, believing in each other, uh, that sort of stuff, especially from MJ Stewart uh, getting a chance to talk, which I love to see that, but um, but Tonio talked for a little bit about how the blame isn't going around and how everybody's staying unified and how it's a big week with everything in front of them with the Steelers. But again, not much to really report on uh, as far as day to day. I did post a bunch of clips of, uh, of the defense, a lot of stuff about JOK, who again, didn't grade out really well, but I thought he was his usual self fun to watch caught my eye several times. The Browns just did a really nice job of defending green Bay as best they could, given the circumstances that they were dealing with, you know, and uh, it was it was nice to see Jacob Phillips play a little bit, uh, get a little bit more time coming off the COVID list for him. Uh, but Stewart was bumping between, you know, safety and and nickel depending on base or or nickel alignments, and uh, he deserves a lot of credit for how he's playing. If you did not listen to yesterday's podcast with Brent Sobleski. Uh, MJ Stewart was one of the guys that we talked about as underrated. We went, spent time yesterday going through the underrated players, the guys that are under-discussed who are performing well on both sides of the ball. I thought that was a really fun pod. It went about an hour, went long, but a ton of things that we talked about pertaining to this year's Browns and next year and some fun, again, fun players that we hadn't talked about before. The day before that, we talked to Jordan Zerm about Baker Mayfield. There's some some really tough conversations going on right now. And, uh, and I need to remind everybody to be fair about the big picture here. We need to get the full picture, which is two more weeks, potentially more if they make the playoffs. We'll see. But, um, you know, I need to be fair about that. And I've reminded everybody in these conversations to be fair about games they have coming. So, again, I don't like to just keep it centralized to Browns guests and me who focuses on the Browns. But I wanted to, I referenced earlier in the week uh, the, a podcast that I listened to and I wanted to get a guest from that pod to come on. So uh, you can get a national perspective of the Browns quarterback and offense and Stefanski and then some some fun stuff at the end about some other players that catches his eye too. So I do want to make a quick caveat about this episode. For some reason, I've gone to new podcast platform when I'm when I'm hosting guests and the audio is not switching over to my microphone. So my audio sucks. I think the same thing happened when I had Jordan on earlier this week. I think I got it right with Brent, but this one, again, it's only picking up my like my computer basic audio and not my microphone. I'll try to get that rectified moving forward, but I want to give you a warning ahead of time. My audio sucks. His is good. 
apologies about that. Uh, don't hold it against me too 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 uh, harshly here. But anyway, let's get over to our guest now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You know, life gets kind of crazy for me, little man running around the house a lot of times. I don't have the most opportunities. All This is the guy who does a podcast for a living telling you he doesn't really listen to many podcasts. But the one I do find time to listen to because I love league-wide perspective. I think it's very fair to every team that they look at and watch. There's no bias there. And that's what I try to eliminate when I listen to people talk about the Browns. The athletic football shows what I'm talking about. It's Robert Mays, Nate Tice. We're lucky enough to get Robert to give us some time. And uh, really pumped about it. Robert, how are you? I'm doing well. That's very kind of you to say. I sincerely appreciate that. As someone who also doesn't listen to enough podcasts and spends most of my waking hours planning and recording podcasts, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's it's ironic. But I mean, when you're doing what you you know we do, I do an every single day pod on my end. It's like, there's just no time. You're prepping all these other things. And I know you guys are watching every game every week to try to give some feedback. So I get it. Uh, but, I, but I want to dig in on the Browns. So obviously uh they're they're the season is mired by disappointment although they still potentially with the chiefs win have everything in front of them um these last two weeks it is a season that is just it's just been disappointing and frustrating and i think the root of that frustration is what's going on between the head coach and quarterback performance so i want to really open it to you this is year four of baker um we have we have seen uh, uh, some good stretches, more bad stretches. I know the injuries are lingering and I know there's a lot that goes into it, but like, 
where are you with him? What do you like about him? What do you not like about him? And, and is he, in your opinion, a guy the Browns should be latching themselves to for the foreseeable future? I lean toward no uh, on that final question. And, and I think it's for this reason. Baker Mayfield's a fine quarterback. And w- when you talk to people around the league, uh, people in Cleveland, I've talked to people in Indianapolis about Carson Wentz, a lot of different situations in quarterbacks. And something that I've come to find is almost an insult, but they're trying to mean it in a positive way is, well, we can win with them. And I think that's the feeling I had about Baker Mayfield and the Browns is that they believe they could win with him. And it almost feels like now that's a tough place to put yourself. I feel like when you're, when you're the Browns, one of the things you have to take into account is how Baker Mayfield fits into some of the other quarterback situations we've seen over the last few years. You know, what can the Browns learn from what happened with the Rams and Jared Goff? And I think that part of it is you don't have to tie yourself to somebody that's going to limit you in any way. And I feel like that's kind of what Baker Mayfield is. He's good enough to win with, but are you going to win because of him? And right now in 2021, with how good some of these guys are, can you merely have a quarterback who's just good enough to win with? And I think the answer is no. I think you cannot tie yourself to a situation like that on purpose. And I was always of the mind that you don't move on from Baker Mayfield unless there's a clear upgrade. And I think that's still true. But I feel like their urgency in finding that upgrade has to be a lot more pronounced than it would have been six months ago. Well, well, I think to me, the win with him theory is it started to really become a thing those last 10 games of last year and into the playoffs where you could see it starting to formulate where this was becoming Stefanski's version of Kirk Cousins. And, you know, whether you want to argue that Mayfield's ceiling is getting to the level that Kirk Cousins is or whatever, that's not really what we're here to do. But you could see how he could get there. He was making the layup throws. And you really could, you know, you could bring him along and push him to a level through your scheme, through your run game, through some other factors to, to be that guy. But this year... It's like he's missing the layups, and if he's missing the layups and he's not a creator out of structure, he's not a creator through processing speed, not a creator through arm angle, different things, you start to wonder, can you win with him anyway? Or is he a detri- like is he detracting too much from your offense to, to really keep going forward in the win with him mold? Do you think the injuries are kind of magnifying that? Or do you think we're seeing defenses totally have him pegged four years into this thing making him condensing the pocket, making him uncomfortable. Some of those factors that we know Mayfield struggles with as a quarterback, because I thought you guys on your pod made such a great point about he has arm strength, no doubt, but it takes every bit of his body to get it right. And everything has to be in sync from the neck down. He cannot make off-platform throws. He cannot get creative with arm angles. So, like, my thing is, if he's not making the layup throws that we see the scheme give him, is there a cheaper version out there that makes more sense going forward? I think his create is such a great word to use. He cannot create in a lot of different ways. He can't create things off platform. He can't create things quickly, just upstairs when he's processing. And I think that's a big problem. The word I used on our show this week was rigidity. There's a rigidity to the way that he plays the position. And I think that if you look at this, and I, I would have thought this way a few years ago, even probably last year. You look at the final product of what the Browns offense was. They were a top 10 offense. And you think to yourself, man, that's they're a top 10 offense at Baker Mayfield. Like they can do this with Baker Mayfield. And I think it's really important to understand that these things don't happen in 16 game chunks. You can't just look at what the 2020 season was and say, well, they were a top 10 offense. Like they can do this with Baker Mayfield. 
these things change over time. Like you need different versions of your offense. You need to evolve and shift and be able to kind of settle into not only a different version of who you want to be offensively from season to season, but from week to week. Where do you have answers when a team is going to take away the perfect conditions? And that's my concern about Baker Mayfield is that you don't have any. You run out of answers when those perfect conditions start to erode. And inevitably, even without injuries, of which they've seen a lot of this year, that's going to happen. Inevitably, it's going to happen where you're going to need a quarterback who can make some plays for you and conjure something on his own. And Baker Mayfield just isn't one of those quarterbacks. And I think that's why, ultimately, the Browns have to have a really serious conversation with themselves about where that brings them and how it limits them. Yeah, I think I think sort of how that Mayfield discussion shifts to Stefanski this year is interesting. So you've watched enough of their offense to know they're they're pretty predictable. They're going to run some play action that's going to give them a high, medium, and low option. They're going to triangle some things. They get an empty. They're going to run stick concepts, spacing. They run a lot of the same things. They're they're creative in the sense of, hey, I I want to draw the out like I want to I want to trace a picture. He doesn't try to like get really crazy. So. I guess my question, and I think some things that folks are wondering, because, you know, like, again, when I'm watching the offense, they get in a certain formation, maybe they're 12 personnel empty or even 13 personnel empty. I know what they're running. I imagine defenses are triggering on this, too. They know what they're running. Is the lack of creativity, outside-the-box thinking, is that tied to what they think their quarterback can handle, in your opinion? Or do you think Kevin is a limited play caller? Because I've gone back and forth on this. I lean toward they're trying to do the best they can to simplify things for their quarterback because he's shown flashes through his time in Minnesota that they can get creative. But this year, it's just been very, very strict to certain formation. And it could be tied to the wide receiver shortcomings and some of that. But like, I just, I want your opinion on Kevin and kind of does it tie to what he feels could be limitations from who's throwing the football? It's a great question. I think a lot of the empty stuff is driven by what they feel Baker is best at and giving him a clear picture of what's happening because his physical limitations do come through. Like you need to spread stuff out for him and allow him to see things unfold in that way. And I think that's why they've leaned as heavily into the empty stuff as they have. It's almost impossible to say what Kevin Stefanski would look like with a different quarterback because his time as an offensive play caller has almost entirely been tied to quarterbacks like this, where it's under center play action, a lot of boots, and kind of this system approach and schemed up throws that often make the quarterback look better than he is. I tend to think that Kevin Stefanski is a very good football coach who would have a more varied, expansive dropback game with a quarterback and a set of pass catchers and playmakers that he felt a little bit better about. I, I truly do believe that. And I think yeah. it's hard to say that now just because we haven't seen it, but we also haven't seen him with a quarterback that he has ultimate faith in. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing is if they can get that quarterback who he trusts a little bit more with a more varied approach in the dropback game, does the dropback game become more varied? It's a good, it's a good question. One I'm pondering too, because it's like, man, I, it's like I see dagger concept four times a game. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's really as somebody who watches every play, and I'm not saying there aren't people in the Browns corner who do what I do and watch every game too, but I can almost, hey, this is a 40% dagger concept formation. Like it just, it's gotten to that point. And I think the fair question to ask, and really what it ties to even bigger, and even maybe even a tougher question to ask you, 
it's no secret that they have good running back talent. I mean, even with Kareem Hurd, uh, Kareem Hunt Hurd, Dearness Johnson has proven to be a pretty nice back. If he's not in Cleveland, I think he's got somewhere to fit in the NFL. They have not really truly committed to saying, hey, we're going to run this thing 30 times when it's working. Like, say, say Green Bay, example. I know some situation things dictated some other decisions, but they could have run that thing a lot and said, hey, we're just not even remotely. Baker's got three picks in the first half. I have zero trust in this. But they threw it 36 times. Do you get the vibe that since they really sort of wasted the first two years on regimes that had no clear direction, they're trying to force the figure-out situation with Baker. Like, we're going to put some things on his platter, give him a chance to win games when maybe we think there's – it's hard because that's really like deep, deep-level deep thinking here about how a coach would approach it. But do you think they're trying to rush an evaluation here and say, can you handle the burden of winning these games when we need you to? Does that make sense or am I sounding stupid? I could sound dumb there. I feel like that's a little galaxy brainy, but I yeah. don't – I understand how you get there. I think that, you know, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know how they've landed on this sort of approach. I think part of it is that this team is so analytically driven. And I think Kevin Stefanski understands that even with a team that runs the ball as well as they do, passing is often more efficient than running, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, like they yeah. understand that. So I think that that's partially what influences it is that, even if we have a team that's really good at running the ball, you're still going to need to create explosives in the pass game in order to win. And if we can't create explosives in the pass game with this quarterback, then we have no shot anyway. If I had to try to sum it up and put a bow on it, I think that's where I would land, is that eventually we're going to have to do this stuff. And if we're calling passes in advantageous moments against advantageous looks and we're not hitting them, then we're screwed no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's probably more likely than my scenario. But I do I do hate that the Browns, through no fault of Kevin and Andrew, put themselves in this situation where they don't get four years uh, of what they would like to do because of the situations they they allowed to happen before. I, I want to shift real quick, kind of kind of talking about a structure that fits for Baker. We've seen him do the Todd Monken system. We've seen him kind of handle that a bridge system set up from Freddie at the end of it, like. Is there, should he be handling, because in 2019, he didn't handle RPO stuff. What is the system that works for it? Is there something that even comes to mind? Or is, because when this, when this hiring happened with Kevin, it was like, hey, this is the perfect system to get Baker Mayfield on track. And it did for the most part last year. Is this still in your belief system of watching Baker and knowing what you know about how he plays the right fit for him? Or is there something else out there? That maybe is better for him. I'm I'm grasping. I'm just trying to see what you think on that. I'm really I really don't know. I really don't know what the best offense would look like for him. But I think if you think when you're talking about this this offense and this system, I love it. Like I have a deep deep love for it, and that goes mm-hmm. back years. I mean, that goes back to watching the Broncos in the late '90s, and then those Texans teams that Gary Kubiak coached. I have such a deep affinity for those teams in this weird way. Like when Kyle Shanahan was calling that offense in 2009 and they had Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson and Arian Foster was there and what that looked like in synchronicity, Chris Myers was their center. He was like the perfect center for that offense. And when you watched it, when Matt Schaub was thrown for like 4,800 yards, that to me was the most beautiful version of football. And Kevin Stefanski agrees with that. I've talked to Kevin about this in the past, about how influenced he was just even as a quality control coach 
in that stretch in 08 and 09 talking watching Gary Kubiak's offense and just how he fell in love with the keeper game and when you can get your quarterback on the edge on those plays what it gives you and I think that kind of the efficiency buttons that you can smash with this offense with the with the play action game and just the explosives it helps you create we've seen that all over the place right you know Rich Gangarello very famously who's the 49ers quarterbacks coach said that this system makes quarterbacks not the other way around but if you look at where this system has been championship level successful, you have these versions of it that are an amalgamation between what the system is and what the quarterback brings to the system. And obviously Aaron Rodgers and what he's doing with Matt LaFleur right now is the best example. But you need kind of a mutated version of it that allows your quarterback to put his stamp on it in a positive way. Every time we've seen this offense in its truest form, like fully distilled, with the Vikings or in some ways in the passing game with the Niners, you see the limitations show up. It can bring you to a borderline elite offense, but when it comes down to it in the most important moments, is it varied enough in the dropback game? Does it have enough answers in all of these different scenarios to get you where you want to go? So even if it is the best offense for Baker Mayfield, it's the best offense for a lot of different quarterbacks. It's the best offense for any marginal quarterback it can make good quarterbacks great and great quarterbacks mvps and i think that's the problem is that you talk yourself into the good quarterbacks being great and you forget about the fact that to really get where you want to go you need that final step and i think that the way that things are set up right now there's really no scenario in which that final step can happen yeah i think you can run from it you can you can get you can get yourself the right personnel. The Browns have it. You can do a lot of things in the run game. You can get really varied, and Callahan has helped with that. They've almost gone more gap than – I mean, I think they're the second-highest gap run team. They get really varied in their approach, and, and they do all they can with all they have. But at the end of the day, cliches aside, you need to make some throws, and you need to make some throws when your back's against the wall when it's third and 12 or third and eight, situations that involve quarterbacks sitting back, deciphering what the defense is trying to take away and having an answer for it. And that's where, like you're saying, you can have a system that makes a quarterback good to great or whatever, so on average to good, but you got to have a guy that can do that stuff. And I think that's where the Brown season has sort of crumbled this year. And at other times uh, last year when it fell apart is that you just don't consistently get that. So enough Mayfield. I'm going to close with this. First, we appreciate your time so much. I want to close with one thing as you watch the Browns, there are other players on the field, believe that or not. <laughs> I just want to see anybody that has caught your eye this year that you want to rip on a couple seconds because Browns fans are all over these pods. So just uh, anybody that you really think stands out and you're excited about watching as they move forward. The young defensive players. I think that Greg Newsom and JOK and what that's going to look like next year, it, it kind of brings me back to something I've said about the Browns in the past is that we want, we want this stuff right away, right? We want it to instantly take hold. And I think the Browns are a perfect example of a team that, you watch what they did last year. You know, the record wasn't necessarily indicative of how good they were. And you get really excited about, okay, look at what they did in free agency. It's year two in the offense. They're a Super Bowl contender. Like They're going to do it. It's going to happen right now. And then they fall short a little bit. And they just feel like a team that's going to be really, really good next year, especially on defense, where when you have year two for those rookies, just another year with Joe Woods having those players. I know that it's been somewhat disappointing this year, but I just feel like that defense overall and the core of players they have on that side of the ball has a chance to be really, really good next year because sometimes it takes time. So that would be kind of the core of my excitement about this team is just that the young defenders they have, I think have a chance to be really, really good. And even if 
the version of the Browns we need to see in 2022 for them to be contenders isn't necessarily the version Browns fans would have hoped six months ago. I still think that there is a lot of optimism. Look at how much cap space this team has. Look at how much just stability and faith I think that you should have in this staff and this regime compared to ones in the past. Even if it's been a little bit of a letdown, I think as a Browns fan, I would still be pretty darn excited about where this team is. There's still a lot of light at the end of the tunnel with this group. And, um, you know, hopefully they figure out quarterback, whether that the, the simplest solution is Baker figures it out and saves them all the capital it takes to go get somebody else. So we'll see what they do. A lot of them play, wanted to get a great perspective on this. Again, Robert Mays does a great job. Make sure you're listening to the Athletic Football Show. Cannot recommend it enough. From a guy who doesn't listen to enough pods, take my recommendation on the one pod I do listen to. They're, uh, they're really good giving you about an hour and some change of what happens across the league and some fun scheme stuff, too. If you're listening to this film breakdown pod, it's the right place to go. Robert, thanks so much. I know our listeners of this show really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for joining today's show. Reminder, check out the OBR Weekly that was just posted last night on the OBR's Twitch. Chalk Talk still available for replay on Twitch and my Twitter feed. If you're interested in deep dives about the uh, offensive line play in Baker, all of that is covered in Chalk Talk. Good group of podcasts are already up this week. A thank you again to Robert Mays from The Athletic. Make sure you're listening to The Athletic Football Show. They do such a really good job uh, on that show. So uh, check that one out. Put it on your list of rotating NFL pods. You'll learn a lot about schematic stuff and things around the NFL. And again, I think they're really balanced There is no bias. Uh, There's a really good balance between how they evaluate teams and and your team. Because it's good to get perspective of people who cover the rest of the league, too. Not just me, who focuses on the Browns. And I'm not saying you limit yourself to me. But, you know, getting perspective from people who watch other teams all the time as well to see how they compare uh, the Browns to those other teams and how they break them down. So, again, appreciate it. As I always say at the end of these shows, your support, whether through this pod, the Twitch channel, or the website, it's awesome. You guys are fantastic. Been a long year. We'll see how the end of this thing plays out. Still a lot to play for, a lot to be excited about this weekend. John Colosimo uh, will be up for our Friday pod for you, and then we'll have a uh, Steelers guest over the weekend, and then probably one more podcast, a quick one on Sunday before you get your Monday morning preview with myself and Brad Ward as you traditionally do on game day. Thanks for joining so far this week. Appreciate your support. Have a great Thursday and go Browns.